welcome to a new edition of Thinking Aloud about film. Uh, today we're going to be looking at Charlotte Wells' uh, shorts. So we were so enthusiastic about After Sun. I really think that she's an absolutely brilliant filmmaker. It's an, a, a, an astonishing first film. Uh, so Richard suggested that we come to grips with some of her earlier works. All of her earlier works. <laughs> All of her earlier works. There are three uh, shorts uh, available uh, to us. Let's begin in general. So, you know, what is your general view after having seen all three films? I think they they were all really interesting and really 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 great. They were all made while she was studying for a, a master's in film in in New York. So they're all around the same time, sort of 2015 to 2017. Two of them certainly share some themes, I think, with with After Sun, which I think they all confirm her really as a very interesting filmmaker you know the ways you can set up tension and, and meaning without any dialogue I think is is very mm. very very interesting and I think all, all three of the films do that and but also have this kind of air of like mystery or uncertainty about them that Aftersun also has. Mm. I mean I think I went to see Empire of Light yesterday mm. to me Sam Mendes is almost like the structural opposite of someone like Charlotte Wells. She's such a visual filmmaker. She conveys something through the composition of a shot. Her films are full of feeling. They are often minimalist dialogue. It's all in the rhythms and the images, really. Uh, whereas, you know, Empire of Light had gorgeous lighting from uh, uh, Roger Deakins. But actually, the images themselves conveyed very little. It was like they remained just pretty, really. There's also an attitude to working people that is at least suspicious. Yeah, I think Empire of Light looks down on these people that yeah, uh, they're treating. Whereas in Charlotte Wells's films, like she's with them. Yeah, mm. kind of. Yeah, yeah. You know, the the drama is the drama of their lives, not the fact that they're working class. But, yeah, yeah. Um, I find uh, Charlotte Wells' films beautiful, you know, and she's clearly attempting to express something that's deep and personal. In laps, you have, you know, this girl, and of course you first see her kind of doing laps, and, you know, and then she's, she's, I don't know whether it's a bus or a tube, and, you know, you just get this sense of kind of, sexual harassment and it just conveys that feeling yeah the feeling of being in public you know but having something secret to, something you don't want done to you in secret yeah it's just like uh, you know in six minutes she conveys this feeling right that is that is very gendered that is perceptive that is critical and she conveys that feeling yeah to the yeah. viewer i thought it was beautiful yeah no that was that was great so yeah i mean let's talk about that one first uh, Okay, well, it, we've, we've already, <laughs> but you, you, essentially, you, you've given us the plot, the plot because that is the that is, it's only six minutes. It's it's very very brief, um, and, and as you say, it's a young woman. It's in New York. It's, I think it's on the, the New York subway, and she goes swimming, and then she gets on a on a subway train, and most of the film really is inside this subway train. It's very crowded. A man who you don't you don't see his face, I think, gets on and just stands you know, a little bit too close to her. And then you start seeing, it's all in the editing, really, just all these shots of, of you know, his his arm with the sleeves rolled up so he has bare skin, touching her bare skin on her arm, and, you know, his f 
face touching the back of her neck and his his shoe touching her shoe and this kind of thing it's very very clear from the really it's all in the editing what's happened but also it's very clear that he's right next to her in a crowded train and this is happening in broad well, it's not in broad daylight it's underground but no no one else notices it and it's just this horror of being in this situation i think it gets across it gets it across brilliantly mm. let's talk about tuesday now you know because that is i think one of the ones that has most similarities uh, with After Sun, it, it could also almost be set like in between the holiday and After Sun and the adult scene of the girl in After Sun. I mean, it, uh-huh. well, take us through it. So it's about uh, a, girl, a teenage girl. I'd say she's sixteen, seventeen, and she's at home with her mother and stepfather. And she announces that that evening she's going to be going to her father's, which she does every Tuesday. And they say, "Really?" And she's like, "Yeah." And then she she goes to school. There are various incidents in the school. And then she goes to the father's flat. But when she goes to the father's flat, you know, the father isn't there. And you're not actually told why the father isn't there. But it's kind of made some, I don't, it's somehow made very clear that he's died, I think. She sits in the, in the flat for a while, doing various things in the flat. But you do just get this sense of, of loss and, and absence um, and, and again, it, that's 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 it. It's only eleven minutes, and but she, that that's done brilliantly, I think. I didn't get the sense that he was dead, though he could be. Yeah. I just got the sense, well, that he wasn't there. <laughs> no, and let me explain that because it's not as simple as it sounds. So obviously, she's been counting on this. She's been looking forward to it. She tells her friend, "No, you can't visit." She's waiting to spend time with her father, and then she shows up. She's got the keys. You know, she looks around and it's just he's not there. Now, that has all kinds of reverberations, right? Did he forget? Is he a bad father? Is he a careless father? Is he a loving father with problems that means he can't meet his commitments? For me, and I think, you know, the film is richer for it, yeah, that it's full of all of these possibilities, including yeah. the fact that something might have happened to him. Well, it seemed to me that at the start, the reaction of the parents and also her reaction to her friend is that she knows he's not going to be there and everyone the parents know he's not going to be there uh, and that's yes. why they're surprised she's going and that's why she tells the friend she can't go but on the other hand if he, if he had died then her friend would presumably be aware of that as, as with after son everyone's assumption with after son is that the paul mescal character has died but it's never stated mm. but i think in, in after son i did get that I, I, I was kind of clear on that um but in this one all the things that you mention, it could just be that the parents know he's unreliable, you know, that they suspect he's at a pub drunk somewhere and won't be home. Yeah, that the girlfriend knows that her friend is just setting herself up for another disappointment. Like, yeah, it could be read in all of those ways. I yeah. mean, I don't, I, I don't remember anything in the film being absolutely clear. About it, it's, it, no, so. it's not. I mean, there's no, there's no dialogue from, mm. in, in, yeah, the dialogue earlier in the film, but from the point that she arrives in the flat. And when she goes, the mother comes to meet her at the flat, which is, I think is another indication that they know the father isn't going to be there for whatever reason, he's not there. Um, she meets the mother outside, but that's filmed from inside the flat. So it's almost like the father who isn't there watching them. I mean, that's a fascinating thing, isn't it? That the film can make sense in any of those ways. <laughs> and, um, yeah, and actually, and it's richer for encompassing all of those possibilities. Because the thing is, 
that the film does have a kind of a clarity. We don't feel lost by thinking this because, you know, all of these possibilities are within one direction. Yeah, like, you know, so it's not opening up an infinite number of possibilities. It's a sadness and a loss, yeah, that is conveyed. Yeah, and that loss could be for any or all of the above, mm -hmm. right? Because the implication is he could be dead, but actually that would be in keeping with him being irresponsible and maybe having mental health issues and a drink problem and like those are all kind of yeah 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 they're all uh, equivalent possibilities yeah and yet not others yeah it's it's not that he's gone off the house to buy her some lovely surprise yeah yeah, yeah. that will make her really happy when she returns no it's a distinct set of possibilities but nonetheless you know it's more than one so it has like this texture of yeah, of, mm. it conveys a world and not just an event. Yeah, yeah. And we should say this this one's on movie at the moment, which um, although actually all, all three films are available on her website. So. Mm. so I thought it was very beautiful uh, as well. Uh, and now the last one is, is it called Christmas? Blue Christmas. Blue Christmas. Mm. Of course, after the, the Elvis Presley song. Yes, yeah. Kind of is part of the soundtrack. Um, I thought that was marvelous. And I thought... You know, one of the things that the other films uh, don't um, highlight in a way that this one does and that After Sun does is her skill with actors, mm. right? Because, you know, the acting in After Sun is phenomenal and so it is in this film. Yeah, you know? and you, I mean, I don't know who the actors are, but I presume a lot of them are non-professional actors, um, I guess, particularly. I'm not sure. I think one of them is... I think it's a Paul Robbery. I suspect the father is is a maybe the yes. parent. The parents are, but obviously there's a lot, there's a lot of kids in the film. Um, who, yes. who, again, she's very good at directing children, which happens in in After Sun. So. Yes, it's Jamie Robson and Michelle Duncan uh, in Blue Christmas, and they're just fantastic. So, can you tell us a little bit of the story? Yeah, the other two are set in the present day. This one is set, I would say, in the early '60s. It's set on Christmas Eve. There's a husband and wife. The wife has some kind of mental health issues. The husband is a um, debt collector for a, for a bank. And he's going around on Christmas Eve collecting everyone's weekly loan mm. repayments or whatever it is. I, I thought going into it, it was going to be more of a kind of you know evil loan shot, but it's not. He's just doing his job. But he's quite ruthless in, in some cases. A lot of the film shows him on his rounds and different people's reaction to him. Some of them are very belligerent. There's one woman who answers the door naked, presumably to get rid of him quickly. There's one family where the mother isn't there and he has to, he gets access to the flat and, and takes the television as part of payment, which is from the kids, which is, I think, the one point where he is more ruthless than, than in other points. But then after that, you see him visiting this old lady who he's also collecting a debt from, but she's cooking him a meal and they're playing playing cards. Um, and then he goes home and the mother, the, wife who has a small a, a, a sort of like 10 11 year old son at home is having a mental health crisis and has set fire to the christmas tree and and it's mm -hmm. you know again a lot in there see I, I felt this one was a more in terms of its the way it tells the story up until the last sequence it was a much more conventional way of telling a story than the other two films but the final sequence kind of it seems to edit between what's actually happening in the house and what the wife thinks is happening in the house. I thought I, conventional, I, I mean, I know what you mean. It's certainly kind of more narrative mm. than the others. It's less interior than the others. 
but I thought it was equally fantastic, really, because you know, you have this dynamic. All the interrelationships here crackle and they're complex. So you see how the father and the son loves, love each other. The son resents the father. The son hates the mother, but lo loves her. He feels in danger by being left alone with her. The father kind of knows that. On the other hand, yeah, he wants to escape that for a while and also get work done. Like, you know, there's just so many things going on. And it's always interesting visually. The, the various little vignettes of the people he visits, you get a sense of who those people are. And, you know, like the, the, the family of kids who have the TV taken, you know, you understand their dynamic. The naked woman that answers the door, at the end of that sequence, you hear a, a, her, her, son. her son going, come inside, mother. And later on, you, <laughs> you find out, because he, he's talking to one of his colleagues, and it's like, Oh, she wasn't naked again, was she? So it's obvious that she does this every week just to get rid of the debt collectors. The old lady who, yeah, possibly, you know, he's the only person she sees in a week, you know, so she's cooking yeah. him a meal. One of the things that I find exciting about a particular type of cinema, I love films like Claude Joutras at Toupons or François Truffaut's The 400 Blows or, you know, kind of films like that because they're really, or, or Jean Vigo, which are really about kind of quite young people in love with cinema and the potentialities that cinema offers. And actually, I think Charlotte Wells, to me, gives off that, that same kind of energy. This is a, a, a woman in love with cinema and what it can offer, who's already got a kind of a control over it, is very much into self-expression, who's mining something very personal and who you feel you're in contact with, like an original consciousness that's kind of showing you kind of something that is not necessarily new, but in a personal way that makes it feel new. Mm. Well, it's really exciting to see because she's a very young woman and I think what she's already accomplished is amazing and we can only look forward to what she comes up with next. Yeah, and that, that completes our series of podcasts on the entire work of uh. Charlotte Wells, the entire <laughs> oeuvre of Charlotte Wells for now, but I'm sure there'll be more to come. <laughs> yeah, thank you very much for listening. Uh, we are thinking aloud about film. I'm Jose. I'm Richard. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.